Hello everybody, my name's Darren and I write a blog called A Demon's Voice, which is about movies and shit like that. You can find it at demonsvoice.blogspot.com and I'm also on Twitter at A Demon's Voice, which you should definitely follow me because why the fuck not? You should, pick, uh, you should particularly follow me today because for about, I don't know, like two hours, my right testicle has been really feeling weird. And so if you're a medical doctor, uh, you know, as opposed to a fucking witch doctor, I guess, then please contact me on Twitter to tell me if it's something I should be concerned about or just... Now, a little treat that God's given me, because it's mildly concerning, but it's not really hurting. Anyway, so we're talking about Aladdin today, the live-action adaptation by Guy Ritchie, uh, which, I mean, the blog says everything that I could possibly want to say about it, but it's another one of those, you know, fucking hollow remakes of a live-action, of a cartoon thing from the 90s, like bloody Beauty and the Beast was. I did like the Dumbo one by Tim Burton, but that's because it felt more like a Tim Burton movie than, you know, Dumbo which is kind of true of every Tim Burton movie. You know, I don't think of Batman as a Batman movie. I think of that as a Tim Burton movie, which, to be fair, I think Tim Burton did too because Batman doesn't even show up for the first fucking 40 minutes of Batman Returns, or at least he doesn't speak. Uh, and that's kind of the problem with Aladdin in that it doesn't feel like a Guy Ritchie movie. It just feels like a bunch of, you know, sort of wannabe actors cosplaying as their favourite Aladdin character. Anyway, I'll say the rest in the blog, I guess, so uh, stay tuned and listen to that. Cheers. Oh, and let me know about the bollocks thing. Cheers. Aladdin might be a cautionary tale of what happens when you wish for selfish things, but that doesn't mean that we don't then all spend the film wondering what we'd do if we found a genie. I'm quite happy with the size of my dick, so I wouldn't wish for a bigger one, but I'd still like it to be more impressive, so I think that my first wish would be for every other man on the planet's dick to be shrunk by a couple of inches. Kind of like our Goldfinger plan to irradiate the world's supply of gold, with the exception of his own, in an attempt to make his more valuable. Like that, but with dicks. I'd obviously want more wishes after that, but one of the rules is that you can't wish for any more than the three you're given, so I think that for my second wish I'd simply ask for the power of a genie myself. Just the power, mind you. I wouldn't want to actually become a genie because my third wish would be for an Order 66 of the genies, a mass execution of magical beings, in order to ensure that nobody was ever capable of challenging me or preventing me from exercising my own fucking will. Not that I'd do much after that, I suppose. I'd probably just make chocolate healthy, create a second season of Joss Whedon's Firefly, and then Thanos snap about 95% of our shit-fucking species away because most people are dickheads and I fucking hate them. I'd also wish for less of these pointless fucking live-action Disney remakes, because at this point, they really are starting to do my tits in now. This new live-action version of Aladdin begins with Will Smith on a boat and telling a story to his children. The story he's obviously telling them is the Aladdin story, to which we then watch unfold and in which said storyteller has Tarantinoed himself by indulgently casting himself in a key role. In his defence though, I suppose that there is more of a reason as to why Smith might be telling the story on the boat as one character, whilst appearing in that story as the genie at the same time, than Tarantino ever has for cameo fucking his own movies. I'm sure you can guess what that reason is too, but without giving it away, I just think it's a shame that Smith on the boat didn't start his tale by saying, now this is a story all about how my life got flipped turned upside down, blah 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 blah, and something about somebody becoming a prince. From here, the rest of the movie basically retreads the ground of the original 1992 animated version with so little deviation from the set path that you'd think the script had been written by a fucking satnav. A street rat named Aladdin falls in love with a princess, he has a genie help her fall in love with him, and then he has to stop a bad guy from taking over the country. Yada yada yada. So much for a whole new fucking world, I guess. It's obviously pretty admirable that aside from Smith, the film has opted to give some lesser known faces a big break, but as a result of some of the film's shoddiness, 
The effect of this is that it occasionally feels as though we're watching the live broadcast of a pantomime in fucking Blackpool. In case you're not from the UK, then a pantomime is basically a bit of shit Christmas theatre in which a troupe of wannabe actors retell a popular fairy tale, but with a bit of audience interaction thrown in for good measure. So, as an example, the cast might say, The live-action Aladdin film was really good, isn't it? To which the audience would all scream, Oh, no, it isn't. Or maybe Will Smith would ask, Can anybody see my status as an actor of quality? And the audience would knowingly respond, It's behind you. Not that I'm particularly blaming the unknown cast for this panto feel, as when taken on their own terms, they're not the worst thing about it. The guy playing Aladdin is basically upstaged by his own weird plastic Ken doll hair, but a lot of people have actually been praising the updated version of Jasmine, as they claim she's now a lot more independent than she used to be. Although, it's not like the original was particularly doe-eyed or subservient, was she? And the extra song she gets here couldn't feel more like a token if it was handed out at an AA meeting to celebrate a dull dedication to sobriety. She was still good though, which is more than can be said for the bloke playing Jafar, who was so lacking in charisma that he basically came across as an angry fucking hat stand. I can't even imagine how angry Ben Kingsley must have been either when he found out that he wasn't just automatically cast in this role. I honestly bet that he bought a fucking parrot and was on the bus over to the fucking studio before he found out. The real problem with this adaptation, however, is that like one of those joke plastic dog turds, it is both hollow and kinda cheap feeling. Also, it does look like shit. In fact, the sequence in which Genie sings the Prince Ali song felt so cobbled together that it was as though it had been done on the fly for comic relief. From that point on, I spent most of the film panicking that I didn't have any loose change, simply because I assumed that Richard Curtis would be waiting outside the cinema door with a fucking bucket. Nor does it especially help that Smith clearly can't sing very well. Obviously, I'm not an expert on what makes a good singing voice, but I am pretty sure that it shouldn't sound so robotically auto-tuned that it's like listening to one of Daft Punk Malfunction. At one point in the Prince Ali song, Smith's struggling to hit one of the notes so badly that I assumed Robocop had unintentionally sat in a fucking butt plug. The complete lack of anything new essentially robs this film of the original's magic, with it always being clear that the actors are either on a set or in front of a fucking green screen. There's a moment in which Aladdin finds himself in a significantly colder environment near the end, in which the compositing of the character in front of the snowy background was so bad that I thought he was going to launch into a fucking weather report for a local fucking news station. Not that the background is the worst example of the film's visual effects here, with Will Smith's big blue genie looking like a big blue pile of wicky wicky wank. In many ways, the genie in general is also one of the biggest problems of this new film, in that Robin Williams' performance in the original was so groundbreaking, unique and beloved that it could never be recreated. So what you have here is a film that's almost identical to the original in every single way, except when it comes to the one thing that we all universally love the most about it. It'd be like recreating Brad Pitt as a cybernetic sex robot that was almost identical to the real man except his penis, which had been substituted with a rolling pin. Surely, it now defeats the point of its own existence. Not that I particularly want a sex robot at Brad Pitt, obviously, but it felt less sexist than saying a sex robot at Scully Johansson, but with a dirty flower pot where a vagina should be. Overall, too, Perhaps that's the best metaphor for the film, because even with that dirty flower pot or rolling pin penis, it's not like any of us would turn down those cybernetic sex robots. I mean, they're close enough to the original thing that you'd find stuff to still enjoy in there. I didn't dislike this new Aladdin because, as in the case with the sex robots, it's basically identical to the thing that it's a copy of. But, can you imagine a world in which anybody would specifically ask for Brad Pitt with a rolling pin instead of a dick? Because I can't. And I can't imagine anybody ever asking to view this version of the film when they have access to the original instead. All of this is kind of a shame too, because Guy Ritchie seemed like such an interesting choice of director for the project. I read an interview online in which he said that he chose to make this film so that his kids would be able to enjoy his work, which is nice. It's a shame he didn't worry about our enjoyment of his work when he made Revolver and fucking swept away. 
You can see how this story might be suited to him too, with most of his films being the story of a street rat going up against a more powerful villain. It's just a shame that he didn't go full lock stock on it and tell the story of how Ali Wanfez and Rubber Lamp Jean try a bit of razzle-dazzle to impress Top Dog Jasmine the Diamond Bird. With the exception of a couple of uses of slow motion too, Richie really dials his style in here, which is odd considering that his films tend to have quite a distinctive look to them. It's as though everybody involved has tried to make this adaptation as pointlessly identical to the original as possible, to highlight the complete lack of creative intent in favour of using a brand name to cash in on what Richie would no doubt call a Fastaka Wonga my son. Although he would probably do that in a Cockney accent I reckon, and not whatever the fuck I just did then. Not that this will make any of us any richer, financially or culturally, and so the only lesson we can really take from this is that no matter what the circumstances might be, it's never good to see a big willy turn in blue. Ha ha ha. Thanks for listening, motherfuckers, and see you next time.